Nice. Yeah. What you're hearing are the sounds of people everywhere putting on Bomba socks, underwear, and T-shirts made from absurdly soft materials that feel like plush clouds. Yeah, that plush. And the best part? For every item you purchase, Bombas donates another to someone facing homelessness. Bombas. Big comfort for everyone. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. That's bombas.com slash ACAST. Code ACAST. Welcome to the program. This is The Call. 10 stocks picked by you, in fact, 11 today, in the truest sense of the word, two expert guests over the course of an hour, weighing in on all of those companies. And I'm really pleased, it's Monday, to welcome Gaurav Sodhi from Intelligent Investor and Nathan Somersandaram from Deep Data Analytics. Good afternoon, afternoon to you yeah. both. Um, big week in terms of US quarterlies. That will go a long way to dictate where we head from here, you think? Yeah, I think so. I think that's really the reality check. Uh, because the market has been, it's all almost Teflon. Nothing sticks to the market. You can throw you know, war, you can throw inflation, you can throw anything and mm. it's not sticking. But well, you know, reporting season is where the reality hits the road. And I think as things, as we found with a few, um, some are doing well, some are not. So we'll get a much better feel of what the economy is doing. Okay, and you know, the economy, here at least still going strong we've got the rba next week believe it or not again the interest rate scenario just just casts a pall you know across all conversations absolutely the the february reporting season was a really crucial one in my view and it was the first time we've seen significant cracks i mean interest rates have been rising for a long time mm-hmm. we just haven't seen the impact of that and and february was the first time that companies started reporting changes in consumer behavior. And we've all been wondering how people are funding these lavish spending sprees that have um, that have happened in the past. And it looks like that's coming to an end. So I think we're gonna start seeing in August um, a continuation of that. And everyone's expecting it. This is where it gets tricky. We all know uh, the slowdown has begun, um, but it's now heavily factored into share prices. So it takes a bit of judgment to, to guess what's in and what's out of stocks. And, and I think things are getting more interesting now. There's no doubt in my mind, the smaller end of the market is where the opportunities are. But at the larger end, I still think, I still think there's, there's a reasonable amount of optimism. Um, and I'm not convinced people are, are pricing in dire scenarios yet. And, and this, we may yet get a dire scenario. Can I just pick up on small end of the market being where the opportunities are? Do you agree? I think there are segments where there's huge opportunity because market is um, assuming the same thing keeps playing out, uh, which is easy to believe. Um, so the, the similar kind of uh, stocks are getting bored. Every time there's a bounce, people run back to the techs and you know the standard ones that have outperformed in the recent past. But I think this dynamic is changing. So I think you, you have to be very careful on how you do your sector selection. But in, when you do the sector selection, I agree. Sm- micro caps have underperformed, small caps have underperformed. Large caps have substantially outperformed. So the cycle, if you think there is a recovery cycle, it has to come from the small cap end. But the risk is also there. So this is where you've got to balance your risk return. But yeah, definitely, you're gonna be a stock picker. This is a market for small small cap stock pickers. Hasn't been good in the last two months. But you gotta keep going there if you're gonna deliver our performance. Okay, let's get to some of these companies. Just a bit of an overview so you know what's coming. Regis Healthcare will be discussed. Energy One, 
Bellevue Gold, Dalrymple Bay, and Perpetual. But the stock of the day is South 32. And I'll tell you why. Well, it had its production report out today, but also I asked our viewers what they would like to have as the stock of the day. What and did we so, think of that? <laughs> yeah, yeah, this is you, for you, Ben. This is for you, Chris W., and a few others as well. So South 32 shares getting hit after it cut output guidance for several operations due to wet weather and other issues in the third quarter. It's keeping its FY23 cost guidance largely unchanged, as well as FY Group CapEx, while saying it remains on track to meet its FY23 production guidance at the majority of its operations. Quarterly metallurgical coal production was down on the quarter, copper significantly higher up by about 7% year to date. Australian manganese achieved record production, um, but as I said, overall March quarter production came in lower than expected. Now the company is talking up improved market conditions, which have supported higher prices, saying it's seen especially strong prices at its hard coking coal and manganese divisions. So there you go, stock of the day for you guys out there, South 32. Gaurav, hmm. is today's pullback in share price potentially a buying opportunity? We've owned South 32 a lot in the past. Um, we, we bought it when it first floated. Um, I, I bought it when it halved after that and when it fell further after that. Uh, so we've, we know this company reasonably well and it's, it's a company I've said before, probably has the best management in global mining. It's set off the entire trend of focusing on financial returns before you start focusing on volume, which now every other major miner mimics. Um, but it began with South 32. I, I like this business. We've owned it in the past. I don't think the value is quite there yet, although I am surprised at the strong reaction at today's uh, announcement, which I didn't think was all that surprising. We knew there was wet weather. I, th I think the market would have been aware of the, um, the conveyor belt issue in Brazil, which brought down um, production from over there. Everything else wasn't too bad. We've had strong manganese prices, as you mentioned. Um, I think aluminium and alumina, which is a huge driver of South 32, has been a little bit weak. But for me, that's the opportunity in, um, in South 32. I actually think that's the segment of the market looks most interesting. We own alumina um, because mm -hmm. it's a more pure exposure to that. And, and that's like you call that the bonus buy of the day. I think that's completely bombed out, unloved and uh, a better opportunity. But if you're in South 32, they have a really good long-term plan that they're executing. Um, everything appears to be on track. They've started copper production from their new acquisition in Chile. I'm pretty happy with how things are going. It's a hold. As Braveheart would say, hold, hold, hold. <laughs> would you? Uh, no. Uh, You'd be selling, the, would you? In the short term, I think it's a sell. Mm. Uh, we're, we're out of all mining stocks except for gold. Um, and hmm. weaker commodity prices is not a surprise for me. Um, South 32 right. is in the top five, right? Without a doubt. Um, they, it's bad BHP. Bad boys always do good. So in the longer term, I think South 32 does well. Um, I think you've got time. I think we're early in the cycle. Market is only now starting to appreciate the slowdown that comes through with, um, I guess, the recession cycle. Um, whether it's soft or hard, forget all that. There's weakness. Chinese data has been too perfect to a certain extent. But they flagged that inflation is going to 3%. And they've talked down commodity prices. We've seen things like lithium, things like iron ore come off hard. So I think there's still a, a bit of clarity that needs to play out in the commodity market. And if there is a wobble and US dollar starts to pick up, um, and commodities will take a hit. So I think you've got time. But it's a top five stock in mining. And in this cycle, in the longer term, you want to be there. 
Um, so I'm keeping an eye on it. I think there's there's a lot of hot money in it, and I th I think they will get out, and I think there will be move. And today's move, you've got to put it in context. It's in the middle of a holiday, right? Uh, and volumes will be thin, mm. so things will be a bit more volatile. So you've got to take that into context. Um, I think South 32 will struggle in the short term, and if you put a bad result out, and then the market is weak, you're not going to hold up as well. So you'll see more weakness. So I think you've got time, but. You know, if you look at it in the longer term, um, I think it's a great stock to be in, and I think the thematic plays well. But short term, I think it's weak. So uh, I'd be selling now and coming back for a trader. But if you're a long term player and you've been in there, I don't mind holding. It's not okay. the end of the world. Thanks, guys. So that's South 32. Yeah, that uh, share price is getting hammered today ahead of the market closure tomorrow to mark Anzac Day. All right, let's get to the companies that you've nominated now. The first one has been picked by David, just Regis Healthcare. He says he'd love Mathan and Gorov's view. He understands that the whole sector has struggled after the Royal Commission findings, but he does note its property portfolio is in itself currently worth more than its market cap. Is this a good value play? Well, he's done his research. David, I hope you're watching or listening and remember that this is information only. It's not financial advice. Um, the first thing that comes to my mind, Gaurav, is um, potential consolidation or takeover target. I mean, how do you read Regis? Yeah, it, it's an uh, interesting point by the viewer. The, uh, people have talked about this industry as being a, a property play, and I think that's the only real investment case I can make for it. If someone was to come along and do what private equity want to do with Ramsey, which is sell off a, a property portfolio and spin that off separately, um, it's not an awful idea, um, but I think the underlying business is so bad that it doesn't work without the property. Um, the numbers here are quite disastrous um, over a long period of time. You've got gross margins have halved over the last four or five years. Um, EBIT margins used to be 15%, they're now negative. And it's not clear to me that this is a cyclical issue. It looks like the, this business has a serious cost problem because the um, the SG&A, where, where the, that's the account where all the businesses measure their costs, um, the administration charges, that's doubled over the last couple of years. And there's no obvious reason for that. It's not a business I know particularly well, but these are the sort of things I'd want to answer before I ventured into here. Even if you think it might be taken over and, and split up, I still think you need a, a sustainable operating business for it to be able to, to manage a breakup. And that's what's probably lacking here. Regis isn't alone in this. I think the big problem for the entire industry, and there's a couple of providers listed, is that um, it fails the basic test of, of investing, which is they don't have a product that solves a problem or that satisf satisfies a need. The, the revenue model in this industry is broken, in my view, and until they fix that, um, I don't think this is a sustainable business at all. And the property is not the opportunity, it's, it's, the, it's the crutch that's keeping the whole business alive. Um, the also the, the debt is pretty crippling in this business as well. So I would um, I would stay away from this one. It's an avoid for me. I will point out as um, as an alternative. There's a company that does this much better called Lifestyle Communities, which has a different um, operating model. Um, it's a it's a lend lease style model. So the the customer doesn't go through these complex hoops and doesn't lose money. They they lease. Um, uh, land and own a building. It's a much better business, much better outcome. And that, Sorry, Gaurav, that. I would have thought that that's quite a different business to Regis. Like, isn't Regis more aged care? 
than you know just building homes. Retirements. Yeah, you're right. It, like, it's, it's different. Not yeah, really the same. I mean, and that's why I say like yeah. it does actually it does fulfill a role. It does have a purpose in in being right. It does. I, 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 I would argue it doesn't. It doesn't do so making a profit. Um, customers aren't happy. Shareholders aren't happy. The the, the company doesn't make money. I, I, when, when, I mean, it, it's there, it's providing a service, but no one is really satisfied with, with mm. the current arrangements. Um, and the problem is this revenue model, which the industry has not figured out how to perfect. It needs to be changed. Um, I think most people acknowledge it needs to be changed, but no one knows the alternative. Mm. And it's just too hard. I, I would say just avoid all, okay. all three of them for now. Interesting, because, you know, I've had a couple people on the program and I've been, you know, a couple of things that I've read just saying mm. that the aged care sector is due for a turnaround, that there is more money being put into the sector now uh, because of obviously the inquiry into aged care and uh, more emphasis being placed on that sector. So which side of the argument are you on? Uh, that's interesting uh, because it is like in Australia, the common thematics never make you money mm. in the market. Like if you think about tourism, if you think about aged care, uh, I think that's these, global. If something's bleeding, we exactly obvious, it just yeah. doesn't. It doesn't work. And the problem here is, I agree. They are putting more money in, and that's uh, and there's been a flavor of M and A attached mm -hmm. to this. And then you put the whole property play. By the way, whenever someone says property about any business model, I turn around and run the other way. Okay. Because that generally means they don't have growth. Yeah. They're trying to defend the share price. Yes. Yeah. They've actually recovered. Okay. Um, the stocks. Mainly because the market is looking at it saying, okay, they're doing okay. There should be somewhere that these guys should be playing, but they don't know. And Gaurav's right. There's going to be regulatory changes. Cost will probably go up. Uh, and so how that plays out, we don't know. So buying a stock that's probably got low growth or risky growth with regulatory un uncertainty, it's a tough play. So for me, you're not playing where things are going to be doing well. I don't think the regulatory change is going to be positive. So it's it's a tough play. Property doesn't defend much, and also in this environment, property prices are probably going to be written down. So I'm not jumping in for the property play. M&A is also slightly priced into this sector, so I think there's no surprises there. Um, it's an avoid as well for me. Um, I just think it's too hard, um, and you've got much better plays uh, offering much better growth on the cyclical recovery. Uh, I mean, we just talked about South 32. The risk return there is so much better compared to this overall sector here. So I'd also add the accounting is tough here. There's a lot of lot of numbers here that you'd really want to dig into. So the it will change dramatically if yeah. regulation then forces them to have a different model. Right. And that's the scary part. We don't know. Well it's complicated now. Change again exactly. is going to make it more complicated. Just a quick example that they the the property on the balance sheet has stayed pretty much consistent, but the depreciation rates have increased. And I, you'd want to dig into that. It looks like they've increased the amortization of something, but you really want to dig into what's going on there because that's that's what's causing the um, the the cash profit to go to turn into a loss. And it's unusual to see the balance sheet staying steady, but DNA kind of changing. So yeah, that's just an example. There's there's a couple of other areas of complexity that don't make obvious sense and yeah. not, not suggesting anything funny is going on, but you just want to understand, understand what's it. happening. That yeah. might be to Nathan's point that it's in the too hard basket. Yeah. Um, yeah. yeah, let's get to the next company on the list. And that is Energy One. This has been picked by Roshang. Thank you so much for watching and for submitting your request. Look, it is a, um, it's sort of software. So it services the energy market. It not, it, it is not you know, a provider of energy, correct? Yeah, um, 
Actually, the, the, the funny part about this one is, It was. <laughs> uh, well, yeah. And I mm. actually, oh, I think it's like 10 years plus, mm. I was on a plane talking to um, uh, this guy about the market and I didn't know who it was and then I got introduced. It was the CEO of Energy One. Oh, really? At that time. Yeah. Oh, right. They were okay. going to Melbourne. And I said, like, oh, okay, interesting. And so we had a chat. Uh, look, it's had a huge run since then. Uh, it's coming off. Mm. Uh, as with most tech businesses, uh, market got overly excited. I think it's okay priced. Um, I don't think it's um, too expensive at this point. Uh, for technically, the problem I've got with is the the whole macro in the, in this sector outlook. I'm not certain how this plays out. Um, there is so many uncertainties attached to it. Um, so if you look at um, where majority of the population is going towards solar cells at home, having their own network, is that going to play into this? Is that going to help smart meters? There's a lot of big players working on smart meters. So there's a lot of competition coming in. There's a lot of changes in the industry. I'm not 100% sure how this settles down. Uh, I think they're an okay player. I think they're pretty smart at what they do, but there is so much things turn it, turning around in that sector. It's hard for me to work out the outlook and work out the growth perspective and how much I want to pay for it. And again, it's a tricky one. Um, at this point in the cycle, how much things are moving around in that sector, it's just a bit too hard for me to work out where the bottom is. So yeah, I'm, I'm staying out of it. I'm keeping an eye on it because it's an interesting model, but uh, it's just a bit too hard at this point. We're sounding a bit lazy so far. But, I know, um, I know. <laughs> the grungy, <laughs> unshaven look, uh, waking up late. Uh, Energy One, um, would you put your hard-earned cash into it? I actually have. Okay. Um, I picked. Okay. I bought. A start, I bought a starter position in this quite recently. Um, uh, the share price has tanked a long way, and it was set up the top that small caps have been um, absolutely smashed. Mm and savagely beaten down. This is the kind of example I'm, I'm talking about, a, a relatively high quality business um, that's doing some interesting things, and yet the share price has been knocked about for, I, I would say, um, innocuous, innocuous uh, reasons. It's, it's funny, Nadine, you mentioned that this isn't an energy trading business. It actually started out as an energy retailer mm-hmm. when yeah. it listed, yes. and, it, and it had some really bad um, hedging contracts. This was this was about 15 years ago now, um, and the whole thing almost collapsed. So the thing, uh, very shortly after it listed, the whole business almost folded. And um, the thing that got rescued was this little tiny piece of software that it had. Um, So they closed down energy trading and they started um, sticking with and growing with this little software business that they had. Um, So that's the thing that's grown. And and what that software does is um, it uh, controls the dispatch of electricity in the national electricity market. You have to understand that Australia has maybe the most sophisticated energy trading network in the world where um, generators sell into a common uh, pool of of energy and um, energy prices are repriced every five minutes. Mm -hmm. And the market will, and the NEM, the the regulator, will will decide, um, will take the cheapest form of energy and dispatch that. So in that way, you get generators competing, and the cheapest form of energy is what gets dispatched. And you need software to, to run that for the, um, for the retailers, uh, for large users, and for, um, and for other market participants. Um, and 50%, one in two of, of, uh, of the entire market, of, of players in the entire market, use Energy One's um, software. So they have a 50% market share in Australia. They largely compete with spreadsheets and internally generated software in Australia. 
and they're now trying to take this business into Europe, which they made, I think, a really sensible acquisition in Europe, and they're growing that business over there. Um, they've also bought a services firm, and this is what really threw us when we we're looking at this internally. Um, they bought a, a services business to have a team in place that can um, uh, that can do, you know how in markets we have uh, uh, people actually doing the actual trading mm-hmm. on trading floors in, in the old days? They have that. Um, they have a monitoring team that works on dispatch and, and energy trading, and they can outsource that team to a whole bunch of new participants. So if you're a little solar farm or a, a small wind business and you can't have your own software and trading teams, they will, uh, they will um, Energy One will, will provide all those services for you. I think it's a really important and innovative service. Um, mm. They've taken a huge market share in Australia, which is a great start. The financials are quite weak at the moment. They're only making a couple of million dollars a year in profit. But cash flows are a little bit weaker than I'd like them to be as well. The accounting is complicated, but um, it's got decent insider ownership. I think a wonderful growth opportunity and strategically, I think they're hitting the right moves. Valuation, I would say is fair rather than outright cheap. But in a business like this, if it works, you're gonna make a lot of money. I'm gonna call it a spec buy. Um, we can't buy it at Intelligent Investor because it's too small and, and too liquid for our funds. So I picked up um, a personal stake and um, you might want to look at it. Mm, great. Thank you. I'm glad we asked. Mm. <laughs> All right. Let's get to the next on the list. This has been picked by John. Hello, John. And it is Bellevue Gold, BGL. He says it looks to have a high grade resource in WA and is expecting to start production soon. Um, our viewer has a positive take on the gold price. So again, this is a one for Nathan and Gaurav being called out. Are there any landmines um, that perhaps we're not seeing? Sir John is not seeing at least. Gaurav? Yeah, Gaurav, why don't we start with you? Yeah, I don't see any landmines. This is a, a project that's been underway for years now. Um, it's, you're right to call it, the, the, the interesting thing about Bellevue is that um, it's incredibly high grade, at least in the early years. Um, they're talking about grades sort of eight or nine grams per tonne, and typically for an open pit, you're really looking at one gram per tonne. So it's, it's, it's very high grade, but that's only a small portion of it. What they're doing is they're starting this, this mine um, in stages, and that seems to be a very smart thing to do. They're doing a small high-grade pit first, which they're actually tolling the operation. So they're sending the ore to someone else to process and paying them a fee. They're going to use that cash flow then to, to start up a processing facility of their own, which is being built as we speak. And then they're going to ramp up production. I like that kind of incremental startup. I think it seems really smart. And when I looked over to see who management was, sure enough, three ex-Northern um, Star executives um, in senior positions, and they've done this before. That gives should give you a lot of confidence. It's wonderful when you see sensible action backed up with sensible people. Um, now, the deposit itself, I didn't see anything wrong with it. It's It looks big. I think the what they've quoted so far is a three million ounce res, uh, resource, which I think is likely to grow um, because they've kind of stopped drilling. But it should support, they're talking about 200,000 um, ounces over 10 years initially. I, I think that'll increase. <laughs> that, that looks conservative um, for what this ore body looks like. Um, the, you should be getting some, um, some takeover interest for an ore body this size. And because they're mining the high grades early on, the costs are really attractive, about $1,000 a ton, which, um, which these days is super low cost. Mm-hmm. 
Um, so the company says about 250 million in, in free cash flow over the first few years. Sounds sounds about right to me. Um, everything's funded. Um, look, this this feels all right. I'd just be cautious that these guys are constructing a project. Well, they're building a processing plant and, and finalizing project construction in one of the worst cost environments I've seen in maybe 10 or 15 years. Mm-hmm. Um, there are going to be project overruns. In fact, I think they have an update coming on costs and I'll just wait. I suspect uh, costs might rise a little bit here and the markets has not priced that in at all. Um, so, so you it, might have a better opportunity. I think this is just a hold for now. Gold miners are notoriously difficult. You're moving around an awful lot of ore for a tiny amount of material. Mistakes get made, costs run high, use a lot of fuel, a lot of water, lots of stuff goes wrong. You need a huge margin of safety and there just is not one here. I don't see anything wrong with the deposit, it looks quite good, but the price to me, there's not enough in it. I, I Just to hold okay. um, and look elsewhere. Yeah, you have to have a view on gold to buy a gold miner, right? Um, John's pretty positive, you? Oh, um, I'm, it's, it's shining. It is shining. It's, it has been shining for a while. But Just, no one's making money, mate. That's the problem. Northern Star yeah. has doubled in the six months. Yeah, it has. It's a mega cap, right? It's doubled in six months. Um, the only sector over the last three months um, in the ASX, I mean, S&P say the 24 sectors you can split it into, is gold. It's the only thing that's up over so the You're talking months. months. Over a couple of years, the prices haven't moved sure. at all. Uh, sure, sure. Yeah. But... A spot gold where it is, yeah. where the macro where it is, yeah. the risk is that gold continues to climb. That's one side of the argument. Um, I think a lot of producers uh, have been moving and I expect them to continue to move. Uh, the margins will improve. Uh, but it's interesting because when miners were getting hammered, gold sector was getting hammered more for cost issues um, and production issues. Now the other miners are running into the same issues, which is expected, right? Um, I think the gold sector does well. We are very positive on it. We have been and we continue to be. Um, BGL is a fan favorite in the high net worth. It's been one of the ones that everyone's gone into. They love it. They've loved the management. They've backed it and it's done well. It's now a beneficiary of Osmin disappearing because it goes into the 200 index. Mm-hmm. So majority of the funds, they're, um, mm-hmm. they're basically their um, benchmark is the 200. So they will be forced to have to buy into it. Now, I'm not saying they're going to go and buy tomorrow. They'll probably be buying gradually anyway. But that's another level of support that's going to play for um, BGL. So I think it does well, but I, I do agree with Gurav in the context that there are still producers uh, relatively cheap. So we've concentrated purely on the producers. Uh, this is an up-and-comer. And look, the market loves this one as an up-and-comer. High net worth clients really yep. love it. So this is a, if you're there, you hold. Uh, I can't see the risk return you sell, so it's a hold. Uh, but I love the sector. So, you know, if you want to buy a gold stock, this is not a bad one. But I, in the short term, expect volatility on all gold stocks. But uh, yeah, I think I think it's a, it's a good hold in this one, positive hold. Just a quick point is that if you think the gold price is going to rise, 
don't buy a low cost producer like this. Buy a high cost producer, something like Westgold would West be my, my, I was gonna say yeah, that. Would yeah. be my pick. We're there because yeah. if the price rises, you suddenly get a, um, a a miner that's barely making money, and it floods into massive amounts of profitability. Okay. And that's a much better way to make money, I think. Than yeah. this no, is a relatively high quality yeah. mine, and um, you're not going to get the benefit of the gold price okay. that much. Interesting. Got it. Dalrymple mm. Bay infrastructure so this is for matt dbi infrastructure does it interest you nathan or is it also um i think morgan's pointed out that it's a pretty old uh terminal and will likely need a lot of money spent on it at some point in the near future yeah and it's it's infrastructure it's safe and everyone knows it and i think it's well priced for it um i think you can hold it um i think it does okay i'm not you know if i had to pick 10, 20 stocks, this is not on my list. Yeah, okay. uh, there's not a lot of upside. There's no discovery that's going to pop the stock price. Um, I'm, you know, it's fairly well priced and I think it holds up well. Um, but yeah, I, I don't see the upside. So yeah, um, it depends. If you're, if you're there for the long term and you're happy with it, then hold on. Uh, but the upside is limited. Okay, so defensive company to have in a portfolio? You know, that's technically the correct answer. Yeah. You're right. It is a defensive company. On the numbers, it all makes sense. They own a 99-year lease on the Dalrymple Bay port, um, which is a big export of Metcoal. I think about 80% of all their volumes are Metcoal out of Queensland. Um, Contracts are take or pay, so if there's a flood or something, the miners still have to pay for their port allocations. Their contracts are inflation-linked. So it all sounds very reasonable, doesn't it? Um, Except the two key things are that um, they carry a a load of debt. So they're very geared balance sheet. You're completely right about the uh, the CapEx. Um, there's plans to convert this eventually into a hydrogen terminal, mm-hmm. which requires a lot of piping and cooling. Um, and I just think if you're if you're able, if you're in a fund or if you're an investor who's able to invest in a, in a coal asset, this makes no sense buying this over uh, New Hope or yeah. even Whitehaven at these prices. Makes no sense. You're talking about a six, seven percent yield compared to a fifteen or twenty percent yield on those coal miners. Um, you're talking about leveraged assets here, huge amounts of debt compared to huge cash-rich balance sheets on the coal miners. I mean, those things are cheap because people can't buy them. If you can buy coal, buy a coal miner. Don't buy this. This is mm. a, an avoid. Okay, so that's an avoid for yep. you. But um, what if you've had it for a while and you've seen the sh- what the share price did? We had the chart up there. Yeah, you sell it, take some profit. Yes, sell yeah. this and buy New Hope. Yeah, you, you shouldn't be happy if you've seen that because New Hope's multiplied and this has gone up a little bit. Yeah. And this, is, this is a bad investment. Okay, so there you go. I didn't have the details uh, for Matt who wrote in to ask about it. But there you go, Matt. I think that was some pretty comprehensive. We're already at number five. This is for Claire and that is Perpetual. PPT is the ticker code again. A fund manager. Um, any reason to be buying? Hell no. Um, uh, any reason to be selling? Uh, yes. Mm-hmm. Um, look, fund managers. You buy fund managers when you got inflows. Yes. You sell fund managers. All of the money. Yeah. That's you the sell the fund, fund managers every other time. Um, you know, we've spoken about. I think the fan favorite is Magellan. Um, peak mid twenty twenty one, and I think it was sixty five dollars. Uh, actually, we broke a uh, broke the sell story to um, one of the fund managers at Magellan, uh, <laughs> to sell Magellan. Uh, that was the peak of broking for me. Um, and look, I, I don't see why you need to touch any of them uh, because there's going to be more outflows, market risk remains high, 
they are an asset play and the asset is at risk and reality is performance isn't great and if they keep you know if they're going to sell stocks they already hold they hurt their own performance and that creates more outflow so i'm not touching any fund managers i love the sector because it looks absolutely it does, bombed it? out yeah but there's more bombs coming so i'm going to wait i'm going to keep an eye on it uh, but my first one um, at this point in the cycle it's not the time but geez it looks cheap but there's a reason for it so stay outside and keep an eye out I can see why you'd look at this. You're right, it does look cheap. They've just completed a takeover of Pendle, so their fund is now $200 billion. And I, th I think, Meth, I think the market cap is, what, 2 or $3 billion or something? It just looks very cheap um, when you compare those yeah, two numbers together. Yeah, I was looking together. at the chart, yeah. Yeah, so I can see why you, it, it, it's a good idea to look at this. But these large fund mergers, they just don't work, do they? We've seen it in the past. Um, you get these are actually people businesses. They're not just mashing fun together and generating the required synergies, which I think is what management thinks happens in these industries. You get staff leaving. You get um, a, a whole bunch of people who used to do things their own way working together. Um, and I just think there's a lot of uncertainty. The history of these mergers is awful. Um, it, it is cheap, but the entire industry is cheap. I wouldn't play buying this one. I haven't bought into this industry yet. I mean, we own Pinnacle. I haven't, we haven't topped it up, but that's interesting. I'd be interested in topping that up. The other one, which I think is a little bit crazy, but I'm going to put it out there, which I haven't picked up yet, but I'm thinking about it, is uh, Australian Ethical, which um, it has been absolutely clogged. No, Get a wide shot We here. made piles of money. <laughs> no, I, I understand the, the thematic, yeah. but it's the universe they pick in yeah. has structural risk, short term. Yeah. Short term. No one cares though. No, they, they, the customers is. do not care. Uh, they, they, the customers yeah. might not care, but the performance will not do well. So they might have inflows. Yeah, they do have inflows. It, yeah, exactly, yeah, yeah. but the asset will come back. It's basically you're playing, and we've had this conversation for a very long time, mm. <laughs> and the problem is you just have a look at the risk return on NASDAQ. So you're playing NASDAQ pretty much. So in that context, because by definition, they cannot be in mining. They cannot be in certain areas. So the universe is not really our market. It's pretty much like NASDAQ. So if you think NASDAQ is cheap, you're buying there. So if, I'm, if I think I want to play that thematic, I'll go buy an ETF on NASDAQ. I think this is better. I think this is better. Oh. I think it's been bombed out. Look, as I said, I haven't bought it yet. Uh, this it's is what I love about it. We can have an argument and, yeah. and it goes, but I, I think it's one that it's I a, think you're a, better off buying. It's it, a really unique brand in that people mostly don't care. I was stunned. They announced last week that they had, their inflows have actually increased. Yeah. Mason's right. The performance hasn't been hot. We run an ethical fund and all the stuff that's gone up in our other funds, we couldn't buy in the ethical fund, and so of course that thing's gone yeah. down. I know it's hard. <laughs> actually, our, yeah. our um, ESG model, yes, ETF model, actually has gone up because we shorted we shorted Nasdaq. Okay, <laughs> <laughs> so that's our prediction. Yeah. We played in there. They also have a young cohort of people yeah. who a don't care about the performance, are happy to pay big fees, and um, and the income grows, and so every year they get more and more money automatically into this um, little product, and. Um, uh, and they just own that brand. If you want ethical investing, Australian Ethical just owns that entire space. We've got a pretty Google good ad it. campaign on right yeah. now. And, um, I'm talking myself into it a little yeah. bit. Yeah. Uh, as I said, I don't own it. Um, the bad, I, look, the I think I they're good, it, I, I, but I don't think you get in now. Yeah. I don't think it's now. It's I think you got cheap. To, it's no, cheap. I don't think so. I think in an inflation 
um, you, we might get people like, I mean, central banks stuff these things up. If we get another wave of inflation, it'll get hammered again. The reason I don't own it yet is when I first bought this stock sort of five years ago, um, it had way less fun than it does now. Um, so you've had lots of fun inflows, but you yeah. haven't had earnings take off. And for a fund manager, when you have a lot of fun, you should see earnings start to rise. They've been cutting fees every step along yeah, the way. Uh, that makes it hard. So I haven't seen the scaling yet. That's what's keeping me out, but it's interesting. I'll throw it okay. out there. Yeah. All right, interesting. Yeah. All right, but perpetual's a no. Perpetual's a no-go. It's okay, <laughs> yeah. let's get and uh, get a sum up of what we've learned so far. So, so 32 was our stock of the day. Thanks to you guys that nominated it. Ben and Chris W come to mind specifically. Uh, look, it is just not there yet in terms of value, according to Gorav. It's a hold uh, for Mathan, um, but you know, really, um, he's sold out of all mining, so that should give you an indication of where he thinks that we are. Uh, Regis Healthcare, so these are the companies that you've nominated. It is an avoid for Mathan and Gorav. Too hard, uh, too hard basket for Mathan. Um, I will also say, just before we go, that there was a bonus buy in relation to Set32, and that was Illumina. Hmm. So, beaten up, go look at that one. Energy One, it is a buy from Gorav. He just bought it in his personal uh, capacity just the other day. Um, he thinks that it's a really interesting one. It's exactly the kind of small cap he says there could be some pretty interesting value in right now. It's an avoid right now for Nathan, but he does have it on his watch list. Bellevue Gold, it's a hold for Gorav. He likes the backing, but he reckons there are better opportunities out there. Um, it's a hold for Nathan. Um, it's a fan favorite in the high net worth community, but he says if you're going to play the rising gold price, you might be better off with West Gold and Gorav agreed. Darwin Bay Infrastructure, it's a hold for Nathan, but it's sell really for Gorav. I mean, he'd be avoiding it. He says it's loaded debt, lots of capex. Um, this is not the kind of company that you're going to see growth coming from. Perpetual, both of my guests, as you heard, are avoiding it. Um, and then you got a bonus discussion, at least, around Aussie ethical there to end. <laughs> so look, uh, we've got the investment committee's high conviction fund. We track it all the time. And here is what it looks like now. But of course, we're near the end of the month. So things could change very shortly. Let's see how the portfolio is performing. So far, it's up by 9.68% on a cumulative return basis since its inception on March the 1st. So you've got Nathan, to a certain degree, to thank for some of that at least. <laughs> so send us your requests into the call. We love getting them. And uh, that will help determine what the investment committee looks at next. Boy, I wish I should. I meant to look at what ones we'll be discussing next, yeah. Nathan, but you'll get all that um, by the end of, by COB today, promise. Okay. All right, let's get to these companies we'll be talking about in the second half of the program. Wise Tech Global, Washington H. Sold, Patson, Betmakers, Centrex, and BKI Investments. So six stock for Rob. He says, I'm really keen to hear Gorav's, sorry, I think Gorav's yeah. view on Wise Tech Global, <laughs> looking to initiate a position and wondering if uh, you, Gorav, thinks that it's a buy right now. So buy, hold, sell. Yeah, fascinating. We've had, we've done a bit of work on this. Um, yeah, you, can, you, can, you can read the full review on the, on the website because it's gone into this in a little bit of detail. But uh, in preview, I think this is a stunning business. This used to be a battleground stock, and mm -hmm. I was uh, on the opposing team. I was on the Nay team for a long yep. time. Too many acquisitions. Um, not so much of that. I just think I, I always liked the business. I wasn't worried about the acquisitions. Okay. It was the just that the 
company was priced as if this was going to be um, a winner. And actually, it has been a winner. These numbers are amazing. There's This cannot be a battleground stock anymore. This is clearly um, one of the best tech businesses on the ASX. Um, and I think it I think it can be a winners take all market. I think it makes sense for this to be the standard software used across the industry because there's so many synergies available for everyone to use the same platform. And um, they, I think they use 19 of the top 20 for freight forwarding businesses now. They're collecting contracts left, right and center. And um, their new product is actually being picked up by the largest freight forwarder as well. So. I think, um, I mean, the founder has said from day one that this is a winners-take-all market mm-hmm. and this this company is going to be the next Microsoft of the industry. I doubted him and um, some of my colleagues haven't and they've been right, I've been wrong. I would take a starter position in this. This looks insanely expensive. I was just going to ask about price. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it looks really silly. But um, when we looked at it, well, I think we, we did our review when it was about $55. Um, we can still make the price work with a few assumptions, with a few strong assumptions. And you have to assume that um, it does become the yeah. a winner takes all market and the um, it takes the lion's share of industry profit. I don't think that's a crazy assumption anymore. I, I would have said it was a couple of years ago, but I think now it's it, it's a reasonable case to make. So I will take a small stake in this and, and continue watching it because it is so expensive, it's hard to go full tilt, but I would, I, I think this is a buy, yes. Okay. And then the battle's over, the war is done, this is a outstanding business. Yeah, for a fight, Nathan, I don't want you to feel left out. No, 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 <laughs> I, it's, he's right. I mean, this was a stock that was trying to become a dominant player. It was acquiring and people were paying too much attention to how much was success and how much was failure in the acquisition game. And they were trying to grow, but the last play with the biggest player is massive. It's it kind of forces the game on everyone. Uh, if you want to play in that space, you have to almost being forced to take on this platform. So in that context, I think it is there. It's not a. I guess the the play is definitely there, but the problem for me is the market knows. Like people are paying these multiples because of that. Even the analyst by default i mean I, I was involved with the shop that originally raised money for these guys so i've heard this story the whole way through and of course there's always that the camp that says hey, this is too hard um and they've proven a lot of people wrong and geez the what i like about it is the fact that the multiple is extreme that the market doesn't believe it, yes right? that's right that's the good thing about it i agree with that actually uh, yeah but the bad thing about it is the story is that it's they're going to rule the world <laughs> so so what are you buying when they already rule the world um look i think in the shorter term um, I'm happy to sit in it. If you hold it, I wouldn't be selling. Um, I just can't put fresh money in it. I just can't. I, I think this kind of market, that kind of multiple, that kind of expectation, it's the ruler of the world. That's a tough sell for me. So I can't get myself around it. But if you're holding it, don't sell. I will because say where that it is, this, I is, think it does this is a $20 billion in a business. And I know that sounds like a very large oh, company, but in the context of a global, if, play, of a, it's of a global it's dominant software yeah. business, it is tiny, it can 10x. I mean, $200 billion is the starting point for a globally dominant software yeah. business. Hmm. So, I mean, this could be that. I think you will get it cheaper yeah. in the next six months. Um, but yeah, if you hold it, you don't sell. Yeah, okay. That's why you don't sell, because it can be a 200 bill. Mm-hmm. Well, interesting. Okay, good one, guys. Let's get to the next one on the list, and it is Washington H. Soul Pats. And this is for Stuart. Hi, Stuart. Uh, what do you think, Nathan? I mean, is there any reason? to sell 
no. you know, the Berkshire Hathaway, I've been told, of Australia. <laughs> yeah. Well, it's not far off. Um, look, there are some listed private equity businesses um, in our market, and this is one of them. Mm. Uh, they're good asset traders. Um, we are actually, then, uh, you know, there's a but. Uh, we are staying out of them at this point. The only one we're in is West Farmers. Uh, we got it at the bottom and it's done okay. Uh, Saul is actually in the um, in the fantasy portfolio uh, from memory. I think oh, nice. we have a, a decent holding in it. Yeah. Uh, it's done well. Um, and oh, look, you hold. Um, I think, do I want to jump in? I think you'll probably get it cheaper in the shorter term. But this is one of the ones where you buy and you can hold for years mm -hmm. and years, right? You know, when we're talking about previously, like when you're buying for the kids and you want to hold it for decades, yeah. Yeah. this is one of those okay. ones. Uh, look, I just realized the time. So quickly on Washington H sold pets. You said it really well. Um, what would make you sell? I think that's yeah. the right t mind, mindset to take to a business like this. It's, it's just wonderful, isn't it? I, I, it's always refreshing <laughs> to me when coming to a Milner business where you read the reports, there's no BS, there's no promotion, there's no tricks, yeah. no one's trying to convince you or hide you. These are just honest, hardworking people trying to do the best for their shareholders and you can't ask for more than that. It's, it's a hold. Um, you can actually buy this. I don't think it's crazy expensive. The one thing I would add is that they are going through a bit of a change at the moment where they've introduced a whole new series of um, asset classes and there is surprising growth in those new asset oh, really? classes. And that's a change. They're thinking outside um, the box. They are thinking outside the box. Because the market is going outside the box. Yep, and that's a good thing. So those four dominant um, businesses that they've always invested in, you know, the uh, the Brickworks, mm -hmm. DPG, New Hope, et cetera, those are now a small part, part of the investment pool. Mm -hmm. And the other parts, especially the non-listed parts, are growing quite significantly. So I think you can actually buy this, but this is for a, a kind of very long-term investor who doesn't want to take too much um, volatility, but still a wonderful business. And and I love the way you frame that. Yes, the, the question is always, why would I sell this? <laughs> and I think that's the right way to think about yeah. it. Mm. All right. Susan is asking about bet makers. Bet makers, um, what can I say about this one other than is it cheap enough to buy? Gaurav, is there any value? We'll bring up the chart shortly. It's absolutely been... Don't need the chart, Nadine. It's <laughs> <laughs> down 73% or something. Yeah, no, year. this is still in the void for me. Um, you know, small caps have fallen. That doesn't mean you buy every small cap. I just... This, this, again, this is a business that doesn't make money. Burning through piles of cash. Um, it's running on a narrative, and um, I, I'm not interested in this. Sort Everybody of thing. loved yeah. it in the pandemic. Not well, everyone. So not everyone. <laughs> not everyone. everyone. Yeah. Yeah. I will quietly say, and again, controversially, <laughs> controversially, that um, points bet is now trading below cash backing, huh. and I think uh, I've pitched this to the to the guys at at work uh, and the team, and they laughed at me and um, and said it was crazy, and it probably is, but. I would be more interested in that. I think that's worth looking at a little bit, just because I think um, they have a huge customer base that can plug into um, a much larger uh, business in the US, and that's valuable. I'm not sure BetMakers as a kind of a back-end software solution, it doesn't really have that um, that value to someone else the way that PointsBet does, and it doesn't have the valuation support that PointsBet does. So no to this. Points bet an AEF on the, on the watch list. Just, just put them there quietly. Okay. Too embarrassed by them. Oh, you yeah. just annoyed one of our viewers talking about AEF. I can tell you that much. I'll pass it along uh, after the fact. All right. Uh, bet makers, buy, hold, sell. I'll go straight to the pun. It's not a good bet. Um, <laughs> look, I think um, you, you're not playing anything huge here. The biggest factor right now, it used to be value people were buying. Now the biggest factor in the last 12 months is profitability. And most of these guys don't have that. 
Yeah. And I think it's going to be tough. So I'm not there yet. Okay, there we go. Let's get on to number nine on the list. This is for Josh, who says he's really interested in understanding Nathan's view. There you go on the phosphate macro and the significance of Centrex, which is CXM in the market. So this is uh, potash essentially. This is talking to that food narrative, which I've known you for a while. <laughs> you know, you're really you're sort of keen on that. Aren't yeah, you? yeah. Uh, look, it's had offtake deals. Uh, it's Look, yeah, it's, it's, it's small, 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 small. Yeah, it is tiny, yeah. and this is this is a market where you got to be careful. Uh, this will be high risk, um, and it's had a good run, and I think it's done um, quite well. The food thematic still plays, but it's quite volatile how it, that plays out. Geez, the thing about this um, kind of sector is I've played in this, and doesn't always play out. Just even when the macro is positive, and when the macro goes negative, geez. You don't want to be there, hmm. uh, so you've got to be really careful. I think this is a, uh, a it's it's a matter of a speculative a speculative play, yeah, uh, high risk. Um, so if you're there, I'm holding. It's I don't think the market's going to be surprised. I'm not putting fresh money in this market for this kind of stock, but I do like the thematic mm -hmm. and we like the whole food play. I'm actually there are food players that are cheap, so I, this is much more speculative than those ones. So. Okay, um, yeah, interesting. I spoke with um, Eric Bursang from Strathmore Investment Management about this one a while ago, and mm. it was his one of his small cap picks, um, micro cap, I suppose, because of this whole potash narrative, food mm. thematic. What do you think? I mean, do you even know the company? I, I, I don't know it until um, it was sent to me. So yeah. I, I've never heard of this before, but I have looked at phosphate slash potash before mm -hmm. and they're generally the preserve of giant businesses they, they it takes a lot of capex to get a, a phosphate project up and going um, just because you're moving a lot of material and it's a it's a lot there's a lot of digging involved so you, you need a, a fair bit of, of, of capex to get them going it's interesting that um, most of the success stories are giant giant companies um, you know BHP for example or there's, there's a there's a big one actually um, uh, mosaic? mosaic, mosaic, mosaic. Yeah, in in a run out of Canada, yeah. and and that's a, that's quite large as well. So these are, it's it's not it's not a coincidence that it takes a giant business to get these things up and running. And there's a whole host of small ASX listed companies trying to get these um, phosphate projects up and running, and very very few of game. them do. It's tough game. Having said that, these guys have a really. I can see why you buy it. Like it's not crazy. It's not a dumb idea, but. My problem with it is it's a $100 million market cap. They've got $5 million in the bank. They're going to have to raise money for the burning, funding deal. It's burning a lot of money. Um, well, they're, they're pretty close. I think they've done a lot of good work on the initial um, on the initial deposit, and it's now ready to be funded and mined. But they're going to have to raise capital for it. And um, they did an, a, 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 definitive, a definitive feasibility study in 2001, and that gave the project an NPV of $200 million. So you go through all this risk all that dilution for a double, it's not enough. Yeah. It's not enough. Um, and I know with that DFS, the, the prices they used were much lower than spot prices, but um, but there's a reason why the banks won't fund a project on spot prices. I just think there's a, there's a lot of potash around um, and there's a, a potash cartel actually run out of um, uh, Russia, Canada, and, uh, and those guys, um, have a lot of money to increase potash um, cartel. Yes. I've never There's heard a, of that. There is. They control yeah. prices. That's why BHP yeah, is getting prices, to the end. Yeah. BHP is going to be the largest producer outside the cartel 
And I think that Janssen mine Jensen. is going to be super profitable once it starts. BHP turned down lithium to You're right. That, I think that, that, and that was the right move. That yeah. does you something. Yeah. Hmm. But, but as for this one, if, if it's not enough upside for me. I don't think it makes financial sense. Um, to do take all that risk just for a double, I don't get out of yeah, bed you, for you need, anything you less need, yeah, than a double. Yeah, you need, it needs to be you need a this. much bigger play. Yeah. yeah. Okay. There you go. BKI mm. Investment. So this is last on the list. This is from Marcus, who asks, "Is this a long-term investment for an early retirement?" Okay. So there's a bit of context. I'm not sure exactly what he means by early retirement. If it's to fund an early retirement or what but mm -hmm. nonetheless is this a long-term investment nathan oh look this is uh the same group as saul yeah <laughs> just by saul yeah okay <laughs> back saul um i think you get look you're getting the similar kind of play uh more diversification um if, if he's looking at it a long-term play again the ones that are, we've always looked at are those listed private equity so you've got saul you've got uh macquarie west farmers infratel um, you know, there's, there's a handful of yeah, Goodman Group, these handful of guys, they trade assets. You're looking at someone to hold over decades. These guys will do well over time. Um, so if that's what you're looking for, same kind of guys. I mean, Saul owns some of this. So one of the major shareholders. So you kind of get that play. So I think Saul is a much easier way to play. Yeah, that's not, that's not wrong. I, I, I see where you're coming from, um, Nath. But I think the role that BKI has as a, is as a substitute for an ETF. And I think we've both been critical about um, Aussie index ETFs. I think that's a, it's an awful vehicle. I don't think anyone should buy an Aussie index ETF because you end up holding banks, miners, and two big, um, two okay. big stocks for 80% hmm. for of your portfolio, and it's a bad idea. But this, um, this is a, a sensibly diversified um, equity portfolio with um, you go look through their top 10 holdings, really sensible, real, much, much better diversification than the index. It's run by sensible people at a very small um, fee. And uh, it's had a tremendous track record and it's, it's currently trading at a discount to its NTA. Yes, it's a buy, it's all, it, definitely a buy. And um, if you're the kind of person who's thinking about an ETF, an Aussie index ETF, this is a far superior option mm. to an Aussie index ETF. And if you want only equity exposure, this is better than souls because souls gives you a whole bunch of other things and it could be more volatile whereas this is going to behave like the index without the the crap that's in the index um, so i think this is a buy and um again i reiterate if you're thinking about buying an index this is better you have to remember yeah. what is bad about the index is also what is good about our market because our market has outperformed the u.s market in the last couple of years, mainly because of what it is. I'm not saying it's yeah. it's because structurally better. I'm saying it's that's what's held up. I mean, if you take out BHP, yeah. our market looks pretty crap. I mean, BHP is ten percent of the bloody index, it's to right? Ten percent, right? But it is yeah. what it is, right? So I'm not. So look, but I think if you're great. buying an index, you yeah. presumably don't want to be taking too much equity risk. You want a broad sure. portfolio of sensible holdings. The Aussie index does not provide you with that, um, but this arguably does. Thanks, miners. Mm. All right. Yep. Just to an earlier point about Washington Eight Soul Pats and their presentations, you know, they're reporting mm, yeah. on the ASX. Mm. I read a lot of them. I see a lot of these presentations, and sometimes they are, well, they've invested a lot in graphic design and everything else. <laughs> it's very flashy. I think all designed to distract. Yeah. Washington Eight Soul Pats. Soul yes. is the ticker code. Yes. Yeah. There's not much to it. It's there? wonderful. Yeah. It? It's yeah. just. Yeah, yeah. Here it is. Anybody 
Yeah, there's not a lot of bells and whistles. Okay, there you go, guys. That brings us to the end of this program. Wise Tech Global, it's a buy for Gorav. He's been proven wrong on this one. It's a hold, though, for Nathan. At this price, he reckons you could potentially get it cheaper. He's not putting fresh money in. Washington H. Soul Pats, it's a solid hold. Why would you sell? Betmakers, an avoid for both of my guests. Centrex, it's a hold for Nathan if you're in it. But uh, look, Gaurav says there's a lot of potash around and there's a potash cartel. We've learned a new thing today. And uh, BKI Investment, it's a buy for Gaurav. Actually, he reckons it's better than buying an ASX 200 ETF. So that will be a lot of people out there saying, oh. Um, and then it is a just buy Washington H. Soul Pats if you want to um, get into uh, some exposure there. So there you go. That brings us to the end of the program. Guys, thank you. Nathan, Deep Data Analytics. Um, always appreciate your time. Gaurav Sodi, Intelligent Investor, you as well. Pleasure. Great to have you both in. That is the show. If you'd like to send us uh, some picks, you just go to osbiz.co forward slash call picks. And stay with us. Andrew Gagan will take you through the pulse. We'll check in on the market next. When you drive a vehicle so reliable it's backed by a 10-year, 100,000-mile limited warranty, you stop thinking about what you can't do start doing what you never thought possible. Visit your local Kia dealer today to see what you're capable of in a vehicle that inspires confidence around every corner. Kia, movement that inspires. Call 800-333-4KIA for details. Always drive safely. Limited inventory available. Warranties include 10-year, 100,000-mile powertrain and 5-year, 60,000-mile basic. Warranties are limited. See retailer for details.